Good morning. I have a few announcements as I welcome you here this morning. First of all, the kids tonight, they will go back on their regular schedule for Sunday night programs. So we hope to see them here tonight. A big thank you for all those who supported and helped and participated in the Halloween Carnival Trunk or Treat. There was a mess of people here. <laughs> and it was crazy and wild, and I enjoyed it, and I know y'all did too. The website has pictures, if you want to see some of the pictures from it. And congratulations to Rob and Melinda Greenlee, who won the coveted Best Junk in the Trunk Award. <laughs> this Wednesday is our first Wednesday supper. Please note that there's a change in the location. We'll have dinner in the Family Life Center due to the construction and social hall. Um, join us between 5.30 and 7 for a meal catered by some of our members, Brett and Casey Hovis. There'll be chili, cornbread muffins, baked potato salad, and banana split bar. And I hope y'all will save me some since I'll be away at a continuing education event. I sure would love to be here for the banana split bar. <laughs> I hope they'll try that again. Uh, this, but this makes me, reminds me that social hall now beginning tomorrow uh, will be kind of off limits for a few weeks for construction. And uh, Hank asked me to announce that at three today, there's a bunch of folks who are going to join uh, together there. And any volunteers are welcome to come and help um, empty out the stuff so the construction can begin. Earlier in the week, I sent out a church-wide email. In case you don't get email, I want to tell you that uh, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, UMCOR, uh, sent out a, an appeal for, for funds for the disaster that they're participating in up in the Northeast. And I was reading where one church up there in the area were serving over 500 people a day uh, through the help of UMCOR and uh, the other local churches in that area. So if you'd like to give to that, um, please just mark an envelope or, or a check that says UMCOR, U-M-C-O-R, and we'll make sure it gets to the right place. Pictures, uh, pictures in the Sunday school classes and pictures of the, sanct of the, uh, of the worshiping group, sanctuary, the two worshiping congregations, I get right in a minute. All these other pictures to finalize our portrait will begin next week. I believe they're going to be starting in the uh, Sunday school classrooms. These will, these will be as quick and as, um, as possible and not uh, disruptive, but just let you be aware that there is a few more pictures that will have to be taken uh, where you are in the church. So uh, be, be aware of that. Um, Don Lewis asked to speak. Don, if you will come on up here to, that, to the lectern. And after, after Don uh, is speaking, Dennis Lee today is the one speaking for our consecration stewardship moment. And Dennis, after Don finishes, if you'll just come on up. Remember, Consecration Sunday is uh, November the 18th, 10 o'clock, one service in here with a meal afterwards. We're looking forward to that time together. Well, you know, events like hurricanes and terrorist attacks take a major toll on local ministries. Uh, the people at this church have always continued support for local ministries and during these times of crisis. And I want to invite you this morning to uh, consider participating in two things that this church does for local ministries in the next few weeks. One is the Merle State Hunger Walk. Uh, that is on Sunday, November the 18th. It's named after Merle, 
who to me is one of the saints of Memorial United Methodist. The Hunger Walk start, starts out here at two o'clock in the afternoon on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. It's a 1.6 mile flat walk to the soup kitchen and back through the main streets. And I invite you to walk, or if you have a dog, bring your dog for a walk down Main Street. And if you don't want to walk, uh, I hope that you can help us with a donation towards the soup kitchen to help us keep feeding 140 people a, a day uh, that are in need and they're less than a mile from this place. Now, the second thing is the Thanksgiving Baskets Project. This is something that the Foundation Sunday School class does every year. We get names from the local school systems who tell us the, the, the people who are in trouble in the schools, the families that are in trouble, and then we create Thanksgiving baskets for those families. Uh, every basket costs $30 this year. The costs have been going up on us. Uh, we deliver 70 of them every year or more. We also deliver those on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Uh, you can never have a greater impact on your children or your grandchildren or your nieces and nephews than you can have if you help let them help deliver Thanksgiving baskets to homes with kids. So we hope that you can donate one or more baskets by making a $30 donation and mark your envelope with Thanksgiving baskets, or better yet, we hope that you can come out and help us deliver at uh, two o'clock on Sunday before uh, Easter, I mean before Thanksgiving. I'll be uh, available uh, in the back of the church afterwards if anybody has any questions about either one of these. Thank you. Kevin asked me to share my feelings about the church and tithing. So uh, let me give you a brief version. First, the church. When I retired two years ago, Marcia and I moved to Greer and we began to look for a church home. We were attracted to Memorial for a number of reasons. It has two distinctive fine worship services. It has ministries for all ages. It helps individuals and service groups in the community, just like Don was saying. It has an outstanding record of paying its apportionments. It's blessed with a good staff. It has good lay leadership and participation by the members. And to us, it has a positive spirit and atmosphere. So to me, Memorial is a wonderful church and deserving of all the support we can give it. Now, secondly, tithing. My siblings and I were taught to tithe by our parents. So it became a natural thing to put in the offering envelope each week, a tenth of our allowance, and then later a tenth of the earnings we received from jobs as teenagers. That carried over 
into adulthood, my first wife and I tithed our incomes. In those early years especially, it was sometimes difficult, uh, but we did it. Years later, when I was single again and met Marcia, when we contemplated marriage, we began talking about a number of things, and I learned that like me, she too had tithed all her life. Let me conclude with this. My reasons now for giving are different from the ones I had when I was a child. When I was young, I gave because I thought I ought to. As I got older, I gave because I wanted to. I was and am thankful for God's unconditional love. Let us pray together. Almighty God, 
you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ our Lord. Grant us grace so to follow your holy saints in all virtuous and godly living that we may come to those unspeakable joys which you have prepared for those who sincerely love you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated and if you would locate the insert in your bulletin for all saints and if the uh, acolyte who's going to assist me come up now with your candle lighter and be prepared to light the candles as we read the names please respond in the appropriate places We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Let us pray together. Almighty God, your people of all ages live and praise you without ceasing. In our communion with you, we have communion with generations past and generations yet unborn. Before your throne, we are one with a great multitude which no one could number. And in praising you, we join with those from every nation. Grant to your church on earth that as we celebrate the triumph of your saints in glory, we may profit by their example and enter with them into the inexpressible joys you have prepared for those who love you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We remember these saints who have passed from our congregation since last All Saints Day. As each name is read, a candle is lit, and a bell is tolled in their memory. Charles Hendricks. Mary McClyman. Wade Kinnett. Nell Dobson. Paul Peoples. Ruby Reed. Elizabeth. Lib Macarath, Let us each one pause for a moment, bow our heads, and name a loved one that may have passed of your family or friends 
that was not a member of our church and simply say that name in your silence of your heart. O cosmic Christ, all things were created, O cosmic Christ, in these times help us find that which we all seek. And with you, the Alpha and Omega. Amen. Amen. And now, if the, those who are giving, offering the children's moments, if they'd come up and our children would come up at this time. Today, Pastor Joseph is going to read a passage from Psalms 42 that talks about how we can get so burdened down with things and so down in the dumps that sometimes we can't see a way out of our situation. In verses 9 and 10, the author says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? And then later, the text reads, my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Some people get so sad and so burdened that they even wonder if there is a God and they forget their hope. When we're feeling so down and desperate, we have to remember that there is purpose, a purpose in our life and that there is a way out. What is that way out? Well, first we're gonna try a little experiment. Um, I'm gonna pick Sarah and John, okay? Um, Sarah, you're going to walk down the aisle to Dad carrying this. And John, you're going to walk down to Mr. Culberson with, without carrying anything. Who do you think is going to get there first? John? All right, let's see. John is being a gentleman. <laughs> he was supposed to beat Sarah. Sarah, can you tell us what it says on your, on the, uh, on the case that you had to carry? Do it my way, not God's way. And on the other side, can you turn it, read it, or Julia? What do you think she was carrying? What was that supposed to represent? all the various burdens that you can be burdened with, right? Things that you carry with you. Um, Halloween, do you know what the original name was of Halloween? Or what it stood for? Day of the Dead. 
All Hallows' Eve, yeah, it was before the, uh, the day where we remembered the saints. All Hallows means all saints. And that was on November 1st, and the next day is All Souls' Day. And um, it's supposed to be for us to remember all the people who have come before us, the many saints, the many people talked about in the Bible. They were not perfect. They made mistakes, and we can learn from their mistakes. We can also learn from their example in how they overcame obstacles and burdens. And our greatest example, of course, is Jesus. And I want to read a passage to you from Hebrews um, that we actually just said in our little litany. It's from Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This passage explains that you must throw off entanglements. What does entanglements mean? Do you know, Sarah? Do you know? Anyone? It's, a, it's another word for burdens. Things that, like if you're entangled in something, if you're, you have a cord and you're all wrapped up in it and you can't get out of it, you're supposed to throw it off. And I don't know if you remember, I don't know if you were here, but two summers ago, your um, vacation Bible school, there was that song, I will cast my cares on the Lord. Do you remember that one, that song? Which, which movie, yeah, Camp Edge? It was, um, which one was it? Saddle Ridge Ranch, that was the one, Saddle Ridge Ranch. Remember, I will cast my cares on the Lord. Um, what I want you to remember is three important things. Remember, you're not the first person to go through things. When you're feeling sad or down or you don't know how to get out of a situation, you're not the first person to go through this. And remember all the people who went before you, all the saints who went before you. Learn from their mistakes and learn from their example. Two, throw off what entangles you. Get rid of that suitcase. It's way too heavy to walk with that. Um, so throw off your burdens and your cares. Put them in the Lord's hands. And three, consider Jesus. Always keep your eyes on him. Last week, Pastor Joseph told, told us three things. Do you remember those? Do no harm. Do good. Stay in love with God. And it's basically the same thing. That's how you can get through it, through any problem that you have, through any burden that you may be feeling. All right, let's pray together. Dear God, we ask you to remember all the saints who have gone before us. We lift up our prayers for them. We ask you to please bless these children here and help them through any burdens or sadness that they may have or that they may feel. We thank you and we love you. Amen.
Our first scripture lesson today comes from the book of Mark, 12th chapter, verses 41 through 43. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. This is the word of God for the people of God.
Let us bow our heads. O Lord, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. O God, by your word you created the earth and all that is within it. And we come before you in this holy place to sing praise to your glorious name. On this day, we pause to remember those whom we have loved and who are now beyond our sight. You have promised a place where there will be no tears. You have promised a banquet for those who wait faithfully. Where we have not trusted your promises, forgive us. For those things that we see and, and doubted, those we cannot have mercy upon us. Uphold us as your own beloved and count us among the redeemed. And just as your spirit revealed a vision of times yet to come, so, it, so may it lift our eyes beyond the shadows of earth to see for ourselves the glory of heaven. Help us to proclaim that you are with us. Help us to know that it is your will that none should suffer. Wipe away every tear from those eyes that weep this day and morning. Relieve the pain of physical illness. Dwell with those who are lonely. Comfort those who are dying. Restore the worlds of those who have been devastated by tragedy. We pray, O oh Lord, for each one, those named, unnamed, and listed. We pray, O oh Lord, for each widow and widower who is among us. We pray that they will see that the Lord still has work for them until He calls them home. Support us, O oh God, as we seek to remain faithful and true to the promise of that city where death is no more and all things are made new. That place promised to us by your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray and we pray as he taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward.
breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, we thank you for so many things this day, but especially we thank you for all those saints that re- whose spirits are represented as present to us this day through these candles. We thank you for all who've gone before them even and made this place to be what it is today. And we pray, O oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit would enable us to remain true to your promises and to be faithful in the midst of all those things that burden us. We pray in your name. Amen. When I went to uh, First Church in Hemingway, they, uh, about the second Sunday I was there, the, the chair and trustee came up to me and he said, Preacher, he says, you're preaching too long. <laughs> and I said, I am? He says, yes. He says, because if you preach just past 12 o'clock, says you're going to get mighty hot in here because the air conditions are on a timer. So I learned a long time ago to be very careful about the time. And this morning I was thinking, I would not even be able to preach my sermon at 9 o'clock service. We had so many extra speakers, and then we had uh, All Saints liturgy, and then we had communion. And you know, on the 9 o'clock service, you got a hard break. It's called Sunday school. You have to stop in time for Sunday school whether you like it or not. So I did some furious editing and marked all over my manuscript. To, so that I could say a few things uh, before they left. And now here I am at the 11 o'clock service, and I'm looking at my little clock up here, and I realize I don't have much more time today at 11 than I had it tonight. But we don't have a hard break except for lunch. So now if I run a little long, somebody go get some carryout food and bring it in to us, okay? I have been thinking about water lately. You see, I'm trying to lose a few pounds so I can eat more goodies the rest of this year out. You know, this is time of year when you got to start thinking about that. If you're not on a diet, you need to get on one right now because otherwise you're going to add about 10 pounds from now to the New Year's Day. And so I've been thinking about how I could shed a few pounds so I could put them right back on and eat like I want to, basically is what I'm saying to you. And one of the things I've come to understand is that if you drink less water, you actually, it actually has a reverse effect, and you gain weight. And, and doesn't that make, it doesn't really make sense, does it? But the more water you drink, which is very heavy, the more water you drink, the actually, the more weight you will lose. The excess baggage will go away. And I want less baggage. I want less weight. I want to feel a lightness and energy. And you know what? That's what we all want, isn't it? And our spirits need that. Our souls need that. And when we're weighed down, we need to take off some of this baggage, some of this stuff that hinders us. And we need a lift. 
We need a lift. And the lift that we can count on every time is the light of Christ and the energy of the Holy Spirit. And you see, just like drinking more water, which weighs several pounds a gallon, just like drinking more water can actually help you lose weight, Likewise, drinking from the stream of the life-giving water of Christ's Holy Church, the water of the Holy Spirit can help you lose those downtimes that are so aptly described by the writer of this psalm. I hope that you noticed in the back and forth as this psalmist wrote, he's describing times when he was very down and depressed and, and had a lot of baggage. But then he would come back and he would answer really his own complaint. You would see that he would answer, he would give you answers there of what he was complaining about. And so I saw four things that emerged as I read this scripture. I saw that there is a thirst for God. I saw that the hope for hopelessness can only come from God. And I saw that the connection to all this is praying and counting on God. You see, we have to recognize that we have a thirst for God. Just as our body thirsts for water, our soul thirsts for God. Just as natural for a deer to long for water, as he writes, so our souls naturally long for God. Our downtimes actually reveal the emptiness of our life and our need to know God and to be near God. And so our spiritual thirst, folks, the emptiness in our hearts, as bad as they might feel, is really designed to draw us closer to God. Our longing for God cannot be satisfied by anything else. In the New Testament, there's a record about a woman who had failed at five marriages and she ran into Jesus at the well. And there Jesus told her, as recorded in John 4, that everyone who drinks of this water talking about the well, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. In effect, Jesus was saying, your attempts at quenching your thirst, all these things that, as the little thing said, I'm going to do it my way, you see, when you do it your way, you can't, can't quench your thirst. It's a misplaced answer to what your soul really needs. Your soul thirsts for Christ Jesus. That is what is why you have these dry times, these times of, of loneliness and these times of hopelessness. They're really there to help you to understand that the only thing that will meet these things can be found in Christ Jesus. It's like the air we breathe. There's nothing we'll substitute for that air that we need to breathe except air, and there's no substitute for what our souls and our spirits need except for Christ Jesus. And so as we begin, this, this period of, of, uh, of partying and having fun and celebrating all these holidays that come one, two, three, four, right after each other, we have to remember that if we don't take time to quench our thirst for God, we'll end up at the end of this with a big, giant, empty, lonely, depressed feeling. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I know it's real. Second thing we need to do is that we need to understand that this thirst for God is, is only quenched by Christ Jesus. And it can only come if we hope in Christ Jesus. We have to hope that Christ will do what we need. Our, our hope must be for his presence, for his help. 
And just as our thirst drives us to drink, our hopelessness drives us to hope. If we find hope in God when we feel hopeless, then we will have what we need. How many of you know that when that a human body, for example, can live almost 40 days without food? Almost 40 days. But can only, it takes only, but three days is about the limit if you don't have any water. And 18 minutes without air. 18 minutes without air. But not one minute. Can you live not one minute more if you have a sense that everything is hopeless? And they have actually done research on this. Uh, years ago, Cornell University did a study, and they studied former war prisoners from World War II in Korea and Vietnam War. And they concluded that a person could handle almost anything if they believed that there was hope for the future, if they had hope. But without hope, they could not cope. Without hope, they could not cope. No matter what it was, without hope, they could not cope. You know, friends, a lot of people hope in lots of things these days. They hope in the stock market, the lottery, their, their good looks, their street smarts, their connections. Way too many people hope in, in elections. But friends, if any of these disappoint you or, dis, or, or if any of these things disappear from you, so does your hope. So does your hope. But God does not distance himself from us. God has his commands, loving kindness toward us. He's faithful and loyal and reliable. And Jesus will bring us to the living water if we seek him, if we seek it. It has nothing to do with our worthiness. God's grace is unconditional. God's command is that his love will meet us in the situation we are. My body needs water to shed excess pounds. And so when I don't drink enough water, my body reacts in a way to remind me of my need for it. Likewise, our souls, when downcast, thirst for the refreshing water of Christ. So to find refreshment, we must take our thirst to God. We must place our hope in God. And finally, we have to talk to God. It is through prayer. You know, sometimes Brenda and I go off shopping to the malls and stuff and after a few minutes I'm pretty tired of going in and out of the stores and, and so I'll sit down in, in one of those benches you know in the middle of the aisles all the benches that they have and I will sit there and there will be thousands it seems like of people going by me but I'll still feel very lonely I feel alone sitting there I, think about it we live in a time when we live closer together than ever before and yet we feel farther apart you see, it's not the number of people around you. It is the relationship to them. If you don't have a relationship to God, then you are going to feel lonely. You're going to feel very lonely. And you know, it doesn't matter if you're popular or, or beautiful. You can still be very lonely. All one has to do is look at the news and, and look at some celebrity who... Who, have died, who died tragically in early life, and you realize that it doesn't matter if you have money or fame or popularity or beauty. So many times they die lonely and depressed and discouraged. 
When we feel lonely from God, it's because we are. And prayer is the heart's way of communicating with God. Prayer with God quenches our thirst for loneliness and apartness that we feel from God. So great things can flow to us from God. Living water, daily bread, strength for our weakness. Remember these basic things. Thirst for God is there designed for you to seek God. Hope for God is designed because you've been hopeless. And to get straight and be not lonely, you've got to talk to God. And finally, you just got to count on God. You have to believe these promises. You have to believe in God. You have to count on God. Jesus said, I will be with you always. I will not abandon you. I will come to you. I will take you to where I am. I be not afraid. Friends, this is the God that we know, Jesus Christ. And so if, if we have thirst in our soul, it's because we thirst for God. If we have hopeless situations, it's because we hope for God. If we are lonely, it's because we haven't been in prayer with our special friend, Jesus Christ. And friends, if we do not believe it, then how can we ever count on Him? We can only count on something we believe in. God is faithful even when we're faithless, but God respects us our free will to turn away. And so I call you this day to put your hope in God. Just as the psalmist said at the very last, and he repeated himself every time. I hope you saw that back and forth in that psalm where he says how bad things are and then he would say, I still hope in God. He says the last words he says were, I will praise him. I will yet praise him. For he is my Savior and my God. Are you thirsty? Then drink from the living water of Christ. And if, you know, if you're not thirsty, but you might know someone who is thirsty, then give them, give them this cup of living water. Friends, thirst for, hope for, pray to, and count on Jesus Christ. These are my words to you today. Amen.